about that. Man, I'm so happy. What's up, everyone? Welcome back to The Chase. Uh, today, we're going to be explaining the Arizona big game draw and hopefully answering some questions that a lot of people have. I personally get a lot of questions about the draw, and it's a system that I'm still trying to kind of figure out and understand, so I thought it'd be good to have a couple of my friends in here. I got Cole Kemp back in studio with me. We got Dylan Curry on the phone. Uh, Cole, I know you just enjoyed a, a quick fishing trip with your dad. How was the fishing? Where were you guys at? Dude, the fishing was incredible. You missed a good trip, man. We uh <laughs> <laughs> I was I was supposed to go. I did back out. I regret yeah, it now. Yeah, man. We uh we went up to uh, Bartlett, which is uh north uh, I guess northeast Phoenix. Um and I uh, did some bass fishing me and my dad and tore it up 50 plus day throwing the Ned rig. If anyone's familiar with what that is, Ned like N E D. N E D, the Ned rig. It's kind of new to bass fishing, but uh it 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 caught it was actually our first day fishing with it, new technique we learned and Tore it up, man. It was a great day. You missed it, so we'll cool, have to get man. back out for sure. Yeah, I know it's hot. Give me that invite next time. I'm going to have to make it. Like I said, I got Dylan Curry on the phone with us. Dylan, how you doing today? Anything new going on with you guys? Yeah, I mean, being a little more well than the last time we recorded a podcast. <laughs> yeah, we were new, all, I suppose. We were all under the weather. That was, that was kind of rough. About the new house, I know you're getting all set up out there. Yeah, we still got a few boxes laying around, but we're working on it. Been been put off of being sick, but things are finally set up. I finally have a, a desk set up to be able to do this from, so that's I know. that's a big plus. I'm jealous of the Skype feed. Dylan's got all sorts of black bears and deers. His whole wall is covered, so uh, we need to we need to enhance the studio in here. We need to get some deadheads on the wall, kind of liven this place up a little bit. That's what I'm feeling, man. I look at Dylan's room, and I'm like, holy cow, man. That bear, <laughs> dude, the bear behind him right now is, like, majestic looking. Like, it looks legit. The wall is almost black. Like, he's got this black bear spread on the wall. It almost looks like the wall is painted black. It's crazy. Awesome. All right, guys. I, we, I have something I could donate. <laughs> it's just hanging on the floor. Um, well, let's jump into this. We got a lot we got to cover today, and I want to give folks a background on just applying for big game hunts here in Arizona. Um, people even from out of state, I wanted to cover a lot of different topics. So the first thing I kind of want to get into is what does it take to apply for a big game draw in Arizona? It is somewhat of a similar setup for if you're doing an over-the-counter hunt. Today we're going to focus a little bit more on the permit tags and the actual draw that's going to occur um, Dylan, you want to give us a little bit of background from a resident and a non-resident perspective. Just what does it take to apply for the big game draw here in AZ? All right. So just so everybody knows that the online application deadline is Tuesday, June 12th, 2018, 11.59 p.m. Arizona time. And that is for only online applications. The period for paper apps has already passed. And honestly, if you're listening to this podcast, you probably aren't the type of person filling out a paper app anyways. <laughs> That's accurate. So it's pretty basic and easy to follow. You know, the first thing that you're going to do is get on azgfd.gov and click apply for a draw. Then click on online hunt application system, select apply for a draw once again and just as know what we're going to focus on here is how to pick hunt choices that best utilize your given bonus point level as we Correct. go through this whole process um 
you could apply with, I, I guess, a bunch of different, you know, theories and draw strategies to it. But the way that, that I look at it is you might as well be applying for hunts that use, you know, your given bonus point level in, in a manner that benefits you as great as possible. Gotcha. And real quick, Dylan, I know you're talking about um, being beneficial. And you kind of touched base that there's two ways to apply for the big game draw, the paper app, and the online app. If you put in, you know, I have an uncle who thinks that if you put in through paper, it might increase your odds. Um, is that relevant to this, or does it not matter which way you put in? Well, the short answer to that is no. It makes no difference. Yeah, I think some people have, like, the thought that if you're kind of the last one in or the first one in, it makes a difference. In, in my experience, I don't know if it's just because I'm procrastinating. I'm usually putting in, like, a couple of days before um, – it's working for me, so I'm not going to change anything there. That's what I said. I mean, I just, I ha like I said, I have this uncle, and he says that, you know, if he puts in with a cashier's check and a paper app every year, and he draws tags, so, I mean, maybe he just has good voodoo or good luck, and he doesn't want to change it up. He might be a little superstitious, but just to, you know, get that out of the way, first things first is, guys, it, it doesn't matter if you put in no. paper app or online it does matter the deadline like dylan said i mean if you're putting a paper application at this point it's it's not going to happen so if you're going to take that route and have it a paper application make sure you understand what you need to get it in but the resources are online like dylan's explaining um it does not matter in the general draw if you're applying with a paper app now it we can get into a whole different podcast on the leftover tag system and how they process leftover tags and and all that and that it it makes a difference. That's how the process is done with paper applications. But for the general draw, it makes no difference whether you apply with a paper app or online, and preferably do it all online because it's all done through the computer anyways. Cool. What does it cost for a resident and for a non-resident to apply? Cole's got some numbers, but I'm going to go ahead and call on you, Dylan. Um, so we're just going to gonna put in, we're going to apply for a hunt, and maybe even tell us if you got the information in front of you uh, the total cost of the tax. So for a non-resident, there's only one option as far as the license for applying for permits, and that's the hunt fish combo license. It's $160. For a resident, you can buy just a hunting license is $37, and then the combo hunt fish is 57 I recommend, and I'm going to cut you off. Sorry to cut you off. I recommend getting the, the license online because you can you can reprint it it kind of locks into the portal um, additionally you can renew the license and keep the same license number after a certain couple of years you're going to have that thing memorized and it's just a big benefit to be able to get in there this what put me onto the website i actually lost my hunting license and had to go in and get a new hunting license uh, made for myself to cover myself for the rest of the year i was really wishing i had the opportunity to just go online and reprint it so purchasing your hunting license through the website does allow you the opportunity to do that so after you go to azgft.gov and go through the prompts to begin the application process you'll be prompted to enter a hunting license number when going through the application process. And if you have one, you need to make sure that it's valid through the entire draw process. And if you don't have one or need to renew yours, there's an option to purchase your license within the application process itself. Right. Gotcha. So if, say you are one of those guys, Dylan, that um, your hunting license is invalid, again, that's invalid, um, throughout, like say it expires before they do the big game draw, does that make you ineligible to draw a tag? Yes, that would avoid your application. Gotcha. Yeah. You know, going back to the process, get on the website, 
go through the prompt to apply for the draw, and you're going to select the respective species that you want to apply for, and then you're going to get five drop-down menus to select your hunt choices from. And here's the simple 30-second or so explanation on how to structure your hunt choices. If you only intend to hunt the more decent tags, we'll go into more explanation as to why as we look at how the draw operates. And what I mean by the decent tags is hunts that don't have high draw odds. Right. So depend depending on the unit, there are many hunt choices in that kind of October to November time frame that approach or actually have 100% draw odds. Especially with the coos deer hunts in Arizona. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And most notably the, the southeastern Arizona units that like 30 to 36 units, um, they're undersubscribed for whitetail in particularly in that like mid-November time frame. And you can statistically guarantee drawing them with zero or one point, depending on the hunt. So again, we're going to look at these suggestions from perspective of using your bonus points in the most effective way possible. Okay. So we're going to get into now the, you know, kind of three basic steps of choosing your hunts. If, if you if you just skip the rest of the podcast and you only listen to this first part, you'll have a, a basic strategy on, on how to, you know, lay out your application. Right. So just curious, because you're about to get in, Nick, you said you got the drop-down menu for, you know, your choices on whichever big game species. And let's just say hypothetically right now we're, we're applying for deer. We're at the drop-down menu with five choices. Um, do you maybe want to go into it a little bit if, uh, about having different choices or having the same choices? Does it make a difference if I'm going to have uh, all the same unit for all five of my choices? Or maybe should I put a unit further back? Is it my fourth or fifth choice with the higher draw odds? What are your, uh, what are your thoughts on that process? So putting an application choice, you know, same hunt number for all five choices, um, hopefully as we explain the draw process, that question will kind of answer itself okay. on the way the numbers work out. The way you're going to lay out your application, obviously you're going to select a first choice. You're always going to put the lowest draw odds hunt as your first choice. That's a constant. So no matter what units you're choosing, put the most statistically desirable hunts first. Right. And it doesn't matter what draw strategy you have, always pick your choices in descending order from lowest draw odds to highest. That would make sense. And I, like you said, I think I know we're going to get into that a little bit once we start talking about the lottery system. Um, cool, man. What else you got for us? So like you said, we're at the, we're at the drop down with five different species or five different options. Uh, we, if you want to take it off from deer, you want to take it off from turkey, uh, whichever choice, it's all yours. So we're going we're gonna to run with deer because that's what most people are applying for. Right. And your, your first choice, that, that may be your 12A West late hunt or your strip hunt or your premium December t- coos tag. Or it may just be an early season general t- tag that has might be a Central Arizona draw. general season tag. Those are the ones that I like, but they they don't yeah. have very good odds. No. It, as long as your first choice has worse draw odds than your second choice, then you're putting them on the application in the right order. Right. So then we're going to move on to step two, and step two is pretty simple. It's pick a second choice with higher draw odds than your first choice. Okay. And 
if for you know if your choices have almost identical draw odds or they are the same, then it's kind of irrelevant the order of one or two. That's just more personal preference of which do I want to hunt more than put that choice first. But right. if there's a big difference between the draw odds, say you're putting a 13B strip tag as your first choice and you have a tenth of a percent of draw odds for it, and then you have uh, you know general deer tag, either mule deer or whitetail, and you know that October November time frame is your second choice. It may have from you know ten to fifty percent draw odds. Put that as your second choice. Right. Maybe going to the third step, like you said, we're at the screen in there. We're applying for deer. What's the third step of this process uh, as far as our application goes? So at this point, you've already picked your first and second choice, and you've put the the lowest draw odds as your first choice, and then the next lowest as your second choice. Third step, super easy. Let's just ignore choices three, four, and five. Okay. Finish your application. <laughs> right. Gotcha. So, so essentially, we're only going to have steps one and two are the are the main ones. We want to make sure that we get our our good units in on steps one and two. Correct, Dylan. Correct, and and we'll go into why you don't need to worry about your third, fourth, and fifth choice as we explain how the draw process actually works. So let's let's kind of just jump into that. I mean. In Arizona, it's set up as a lottery system, so really everybody gets the opportunity. And as I understand it, so you have your application. Your application is assigned a specific number, and I think we're going to jump into that a little bit. And your bonus points additionally are assigned a number in this raffle system. And as you proceed through the rounds, but let's kind of start at the top of this and try to explain the lottery system Dylan, what is the lottery system and kind of how does this draw system work? Yeah, so it, it is a lottery system. However, it is weighted. So it's weighted with bonus points and the draw itself is conducted in three phases and your bonus points have influence throughout all three phases of the draw. So the, the three rounds of the draw are the bonus pass, the one, two pass and the three, four, five pass. And the bonus pass, so, I think they say in the bonus pass, they're awarding 20% of all tags, people with the highest bonus points in the bonus pass. Correct. So if there's a, if there's a hundred tags for this deer hunt, 20 of those tags are going to be awarded to the people with the highest bonus points. Correct. Correct. Okay. Correct. Which going back to your application process, which is why having the correct choice at number one, is extremely relevant to this lottery process because at that point you want to try to maximize hitting in that bonus pass. So we'll, we'll hit on this coming up, but as you're laying out your application with your choices, you may be eligible with one or both of your choices to draw that tag in the bonus pass in the first round of the draw. Right. So we'll, we'll explain how that works. Going yeah. back to the lottery, though, uh, do you want to add anything to the process, how this lottery system works? Well, I, I, I think we kind of have to we have to start at bonus points because that's what the whole draw kind of right. kind of focuses around. And just to explain bonus points real simply, it bonus points give you additional chances to draw a low number in the lottery. So it's just like putting more raffle tickets in the bucket. Right. And there's multiple ways of getting bonus points so the main way that you're going to get bonus point is by applying for a hunt and not getting drawn so each year that you're not drawn you're going to accrue a point 
and that is per species and one point per year. So the other super simple way to get additional points is to successfully complete your hunter education course. And your hunter's and education course, sorry to cut you off, that's that's a lifelong bonus point, correct? So once you take correct. that, that course, is, that is that's a going with you. Point. Okay. Yeah, and, and guys, that's, that's, I uh, I mean, I'm 22 now. Um, I went, young guy. I went, I mean, I, I took my hunter's ed, head class when I was a kid, but I never got to the field day. And I, I started hunting when I was eligible to hunt without the, the hunter ed okay. point. So it's kind of just like my dad's rules, like to take the, the online class just to kind of touch up on, right. you know, tab plus one and all the basic rules. But I never actually accrued that, uh, that hunter ed point until this past year. And for the guys that are a little bit older, I think it's, it's 18 plus now. You can actually take the online portion, and then Game and Fish has created a bonus point field day. So you don't have to go to the hunter education field day, which is long and drawn out for the the younger generation. That's really right. You know, they've in already depth experienced and, all that, right? Exactly. That might that might have already experienced. You know, they've been hunting for several years. They have you know good solid field work, um, and Game and Fish has made it super easy for you to actually. Um, get that bonus ed point just by taking the online portion, so completing the online portion, and then going to a bonus point field day, which you can find online all the um, the the classes and, the and, when, and when those actually run. Cool, man. And, and one point can make a world of difference in the in the hunt statistics when you're looking at draws right. on a hunt. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, you, even if you're in your 40s or 50s, it is worth your time, particularly as a non-resident, to take – the hundred ed class and complete the course and get that permanent bonus point. It's one point per species. It never goes away. It doesn't matter if you, once you get drawn all of those accrued points from applying over the years, they go away and you start back at zero. Well, that hundred ed point remains. So even Correct. if you get drawn, you're going to start back over with one point. Correct. Cool, so man. There's a third. Go ahead. I was okay. just going to say, um, do you got any other ways you can accrue some bonus points? Yes, there's there's a third point that you can get, and that's a loyalty point. So after five consecutive years of a valid application, you're going to get another point. That's another single point. So, again, if if you get drawn and you've applied with, you know, applications that were accepted, meaning you didn't mess up payment, you didn't get rejected, anything like that, as long as that your application's been fine, if you get drawn, you're going to go back to zero on all those accrued points from – from not being drawn, but you're going to keep your hunter ed point and you're going to keep your loyalty point. As so you're long walking as you in keep with applying, two. Correct. No. Exactly. As long yeah, as like you, you said, that's applying, the key. You're going to walk into the next draw. That's the key. You have to keep applying because if you don't, you you lose that loyalty point. And I, I think a lot of people don't understand that. So if you're not going to be hunting that year or you're just trying to pick up an additional bonus point, like on turkeys, you can actually get two two bonus points in a year. So even if you're not going to hunt it, pay the 13 bucks and pick up that extra bonus point uh, on the application fee. Or if you're a non-resident, it's going to be $15 for that additional point. So even if you're not hunting it, I would say it's, it's absolutely vital to just go ahead and make that small donation. I mean, yeah. it's $15. Definitely. Um, and then get your application in. And also just to stress guys. So if you, by putting in for these hunts, you're going to, you're going to get that bonus point. You can't just buy a bonus point and put in for the hunt Correct. at the same time. 
So I, I know it can be a little confusing when you're looking at the regs, and, it, and there's a tab that says um, per, like you can purchase a bonus you point. You can't just purchase an additional you, bonus yeah, point. Yeah, you can't purchase an additional bonus point as well as putting in for the application. It doesn't work like that. Correct. When, when you are going through the application process, if you're going to apply for a hunt, you need to select, you know, pick your, your hunt choices. They give you two options on that screen, and the other is to buy a bonus point. So if you're not going to put in for a hunt, but you still are, want to, you know, build bonus points, you can purchase a point. If you fill out your application, though, as you get to the end of it and get to the screen where you pay for everything, you're you're buying a bonus point when you're applying for a hunt code. Right. And one thing to touch on that, I think that I kind of we kind of glazed over it earlier, but those hunt codes that he's referring to, the hunts are organized by species. They're also organized by weapon type. And obviously the odds are going to vary on those specific hunts that you're trying to apply for. Um, your lowest odds in pretty much all cases are going to be uh, your, your rifle tags, uh, probably followed by the muzzle loader and then so on. But just understand when you're putting in for the for the species, make sure you select the right hunt and the right actual firearm or whichever weapon you're trying to use for that hunt because they are organized by the species, by the weapon type, and again, the odds do vary on all of those. And some are species-specific. There are some hunts that are any antler deer. Um, and the, the desirability of the tag basically is what determines the draw odds for it. So lots of people... You know, know Arizona, and they know the Kaibab and the Strip, and, and world, world famous for those areas. There's a lot of people um, putting in, but they're not giving out a ton of those tags. You know, very limited tags and very high application numbers. Right. So you draw odds suck. Yeah, and that that's something that always cracks me up is you hear, you know, the frustrated hunter that is they swear that the game and fish system is rigged. Um, or, you know, you, you hear people joke that people go up to the game and fish store with a carton of cigs and trying to brag late or, uh, you know, trying to, what am I trying to say? They go up to the game and fish office with a carton of smokes and they're tar trying to bribe the counter lady, you know, with an application, but that's not really how it works. I mean, that's really what we're trying to emphasize is you got to make a good choice for your application. I mean, the desirability of those strip hunts, I mean, of course, somebody wants to go hunt deer up there. But if that's going to be the route that you take on those really low percentage, at least be hunting the archery over the, over the counter tags and at least be taking advantage of those other opportunities. Because if you're putting in year in and year out expecting to hit that, you know, you're really, you're really taking a risk, I think, at getting a tag. The, just the odds are really not in favor for you there. And just about every unit here, at least that I've hunted, I've been able to turn up to, in my eyes, trophy caliber deer i mean if your benchmark is 200 plus then then that might be a good spot to wait but you know if you're an opportunity person you you might want to look at some of the hunts that just have you know more of a 50 percent draw odds or something that is still desirable that you can hit you know maybe every three years at least so i i think that kind of ties into us getting back to the draw process and and the bonus pass because certain hunts high demand hunts are going to have one point level that it takes to draw and other hunts are going to have another level so going back to the bonus pass and that's where the first phase of the draw that's where the top 20 percent of bonus point holders for each hunt number will get their tags correct and these are, so these are these are max point holders and this is only your first and second choices that are considered in the bonus pass that's let the me, first round of the draw let me ask you this with the the max 
point holders. I think something that people don't understand, the max point holder per individual unit, that doesn't go per species, correct? So I think some people will think, let's say the max point holder for the strip with the deer is 25 points. It would be that specific unit, not the species, correct? So for most species, including deer, max points is different for each hunt number. Max points essentially means that for that given hunt number, there's no applicants with more bonus points than a certain level. So for really high demand tags like the strip of the Kaibab, that may be from 15 to 19 points for mule deer. And then for those early season, October, November, general deer tags, it's substantially less. It may only take four, five, or even one for certain hunts that puts you in that max point pool. So if a given hunt choice from year to year has five points at the top end of its max pool, that means typically no one with greater than five points is applying for that hunt. Um, We keep bringing up the strip and the Kaibab. Lots of people with more than five points are applying for those hunts. It pushes that max point level up. So for, for deer and all of the, all of the hunts with high tag numbers, it's per hunt number. Um, Sheep and Buffalo operate a little bit differently when there's such low tag numbers, you can't really allot 20% of one tag per hunt number. Right. So with those species, it's the top 20% of species point holders that make up the max pool. So the top 20% of guys with sheep bonus points are going to draw the top 20% of preferred tags. Correct. Gotcha. And so, and, and I, I want to kind of stay on deer. I mean, sheep, we could get into a full podcast on. So when we're in this bonus pass where they're awarding 20% of the tags uh, with non-residents, how many of those tags are, or rather how many of the tags in this hunt are going to be allotted to non-residents and what is what remaining amount is going to be turned over to the local residents? So non-residents cannot draw more than 10% of the tags. Uh, that's the non-resident cap. And half of those go in the bonus pass rounds, round, and half of them go in the random draw rounds. Gotcha. And that's per hunt number, correct? So for deer, that is that's per hunt number, correct? So five percent, with that with that explanation, five percent of the non-resident tags will be allocated in the bonus pass for each hunt number, and then five percent will come in the random draw segments. Yeah, and just to clarify, I mean, for the most part, everything that we're talking about is going to be applicable to deer, turkey, your javelina, um, with the exception of this, is going to be the bighorn and the bison. So when we're kind of getting on these points of how this application process works, just understand that the resources for the bighorn and the and the bison are going to be a little bit different, and the actual draw price process of that will reflect a little bit different differently, more specifically for out-of-state residents. But when we're referring to, you know, where we're at in the bonus pass and how many of these percentages are being awarded to residents and non-residents, we're more specifically talking about deer, turkey, javelina. Also applies to elk and, and antelope yeah, as well. Correct. So we, we've awarded 20% in the bonus pass, 20% of the tags uh, to the highest bonus points. What's going to happen in the second pass? Um, I understand that really that's kind of your opportunity to just get lucky in the random draw because that's where they're going to attempt to issue the 80% of the remaining tags, correct? Correct. So in, the, in round two, second phase of the draw, 80% of the tags for a given hunt number may be allocated and 
keep in mind what we were just talking about, no more than 5% of those are going to go to non-residents. And once again, your first and second choices, just as in the bonus pass round, are the only two choices that are considered in round two. So after the bonus round, anyone who hasn't been drawn yet goes into the second phase, and they're given a new random number. So it we call it the random draw, but it is still weighted. Your bonus points still matter here. Correct. So if you go into the random segment of the draw and you have 20 bonus points, you still have 20 additional chances at drawing a low number than someone coming into the, the draw with zero. Got, gotcha. And I feel like that's kind of a a misunderstanding that some people can have is um, when it comes to the, the random draw of it is they think it's like you put your names into a hat and, um, you know, say Joe Smith has 20 bonus points. Well, Joe Smith is going to go, just his name is going to go into it. But guys, what they're doing is they're actually assigning you a specific number for the draw. So it's not going to be um, your name in the draw. It's going to be a number that is that is put with your name. Correct, Dylan? Does that make sense? Yeah, so your example, that guy's going to get 20. He's going to get his application, and then he's going to get 20 additional chances to draw that low number. And then they're going to start at number one, and they're going to look at that application, see if the hunt numbers are available. And if they are available, then they're going to award the tags. If they're not available, then they're going to go to whoever drew tag number two. But like I said, bonus points still matter in this round because it's a weighted system. Anybody can draw these tags, and it's 80% of the tags that are going to get allocated in this round up to up to 80%. Does not guarantee it based on demand of the hunt is basically going to determine whether or not all the tags are given out or not. And I think that's to tie into what we talked about earlier is, you know, when you're making your first choice, your second choice, you're, you're swinging at trying to get in these two rounds because the attempt of the lottery system is to capture 100% of the tags in, in those first two rounds. That's what the attempt is. It's not saying it's going to happen like that. So understanding where you sit with those bonus points and where you sit with your percentages and your first and second choices is absolutely vital. If you want to really maximize your opportunity to get drawn for that unit. And there are resources, whether you're using GoHunt.com. Game and Fish in Arizona does publish the information. You can go back and look at the total number of tags that were given in a hunt, and you can figure out the percentages. But it's really important to understand that in those first couple of passes, that's where they're really looking to fill the tags at the right bonus point numbers. But let's step into the third pass where they're looking at choices three through five. What's going to happen kind of in that period, Dylan? So the final phase operates the same as the one-two pass. Anyone remaining that has yet to draw a tag gets a new number, and they look through the apps again to see if those choices are still available. So just like going into round two, you're going to get assigned a completely random number. The difference being in this third round is they are only looking at your third, fourth, and fifth fifth choices. Right. So it doesn't matter in the third round what choices one and two are on your application. They're irrelevant at this point. They only look at your third, fourth, and fifth choice in the third round. And for those that can do math, in round one, 20% of the tags are allocated. Of that 20%, 5% of it may be 
uh, allocated to non-residents. Okay. And then round two, up to 80% of the tags for each hunt number are allocated. And again, 5% of those may go to non-residents, but they are not guaranteed. So if a hunt has enough demand, after round two, 100% of the tags have already been allocated. Right. And it doesn't, and that hunt choice then no longer is available in round three, four, five. So the only hunts that are going to be available in round three, four, five are those hunts with really high tag numbers or really low demand or both. Right. Gotcha. So essentially what you're saying is majority of the hunt numbers are going to be filled um, in the first and second round. Correct. Most of the hunts that you're going to want to burn your bonus points on, they're going to be taken up in the first and second round. If you're drawing in the third, fourth, and fifth choices in the third round of the draw, that's why I say ignore them because those are typically tags in, in units that are undersubscribed, and you may be able to pick them up after the draw as a leftover and not use your bonus points for one, or you can just go archery hunting and hunt over the counter in the same units that you've been applying for for rifle tags. In a lot of cases, there, there are some draw archery units and save your bonus points, keep accruing bonus points, and waiting for those higher quality tags. It takes so long to get tags in Arizona, you might as well not waste them on easy-to-draw units. That isn't that you could hunt without burning your bonus points. Right. Yeah. I feel like that happens to guys sometimes, too, where they'll, they might throw, you know, like a, one of the 30 units or like a 36 at that third choice and have, you know, maybe not a ton of bonus points, but five or six. And then they, oh, I drew a tag. You know, they get that, that bank that bank notification that they drew a tag. And when it comes back and it ends up being a, you know, a 36 tag, and then they're like, oh, well, there's also all these leftover tags for 36. So I just <laughs> burned five or six of my yeah. bonus points on a tag yeah, that I could have probably it, just got a leftover for. Which you make a good point yeah, there. If, go ahead, Dylan. Sorry. What I was going to say, if, if that's the route you want to go and those are the units you want to go, by all means, put in for them and and burn your bonus points on them, and they're they're going to give you an advantage of drawing those tags. You know, so some of some of those November hunts take you know one to two points to be in the bonus pass to guarantee it. You can use your bonus points to play the odds, you know, in your favor, and you can actually predict with relative certainty, particularly as a resident, how long it will take to draw a certain tag, right. how many bonus points it will take. You can predict the car accident. You can predict when you're going to get drawn and yeah. and know with a whole lot of certainty that I'm going to go hunting this year because it only takes five points to draw this tag. Right, right. And yeah. you can plan your schedule around. So you, you can use your bonus points in that fashion, or if you just don't care and you're going to hunt the easy-to-draw units, by all means, go do that. The suggestions that we're giving here are for people that want to hunt those tags that have a lot higher applicant numbers and how to structure your bonus points to do so. And it's crazy too, like the evolution of, of each of the game, like the, the, the hunt numbers. Um, you look at the 22 North um, archery elk hunt, like the late archery elk hunt. I think three or four years ago, it was like 100% guaranteed draw. Um, and now this, this pasture, I think it was already back down to like 60%. So guys that could draw it every single year um, are are putting in for this and they didn't get drawn and they're like what the heck i've drawn this i've had 100 percent draw odds you know for the last several years right but people catch on you know trends you know it's like ebb and flow it goes up and it goes down um so it's all like i said guys it's critical to follow that 
Um, and just to make sure that you are putting in for hunts that you have a shot at drawing. It all comes down to maximizing your opportunity. If you if you want to spend time in the field and you just want to hunt, you're going to be able to do that if you just do a little bit of research beforehand. If you're just that person that wants to get out, there's really no reason that you're waiting every single year for hunts. Or, uh, I mean, obviously you could understand reaching for you know a trophy unit or something like that. But as far as opportunities go, you know they're out there. But I got a question real quick. I, th I think something that maybe people might be asking them themselves now is what type of hunts should I be putting in for choices three through five, Dylan? So if, if I were to utilize choices three through five, what is maybe an example of something that somebody would put in for? You know, the first thing that comes to mind to me is maybe somebody that's, um, you know, just hunting for cow elk. Some people like to hunt for those cow elk, but what, you know, what's a good area for people to utilize you know, choices three through five. Yeah, for, for elk, you're dead on. You can still draw a lot of those cow cow tags in, in your third through fifth choice because they don't have high applicant numbers. And same thing with late archery, like Cole was talking about, you know, low applicant numbers, good amount of tags, and some of them have really high percentage draw odds. Uh, for deer, you're looking at mostly whitetail hunts that you're going to be able to draw in your third through fifth choices and just high tag numbers versus the amount of applicants that are putting in for them. Um, if you're looking through your eggs and you're looking for hunt choices and you're like, well, I, I want to go hunting this year. I want to guarantee a rifle tag. You want to use your bonus points on them. Well, do some do some homework on the unit where you want to hunt particularly. Our, our suggestion is always hunt a place that you have some bit of familiarity with. And, right, or something that you could get to, at least be able to get out there and go scout and you know, see the unit firsthand. It always cracks me up. People that are putting in for hunts on the other side of the state and they don't get a chance to get out there and hunt anything until the week of the hunt. And it's like, you know, it, in my experience, it's my success has been directly tied to the amount of time I could spend in the field. So pay attention and pick something close to home so you can get out there and at least scout a couple times for heaven's sake before you, you know, get out into the field. It's a, it's very advantageous to pick things that are, that are, you know, in your familiar area that are close <laughs> to home yeah. so you can get out and, ha and have time to scout it if if you don't have a lot of time off work and you can't take the time to drive from yuma to unit 27 uh, probably don't put in for it if if part of your hunting plan includes scouting because you're not going to have much time for it just because of the distance put in for stuff you know in most cases that are nearby to where you are at and you can spend more time in the field and you're probably going to do better and you may do better putting in for easier to draw tags that are close to home and getting to go hunt more often and getting more time in the field in the long run you may be killing higher quality annual animals than waiting 20 years to draw right. a premium tag yeah you're exposing yourself to the opportunity well, cool, man. We, we discussed the lottery system. I, I know we just went over that. We discussed uh, the bonus pass, the first 20% of the tags, the second pass, 80% of the remaining tags, uh, the third pass, which essentially looks at your choices, three through five. Uh, is there anything else you want to cover in, in the draw passes or anything we may be left out? Nope. Pretty straightforward. Like you said, up to 20% or 20%, up to 80% in the second round and the three, four, five pass is basically mopping up anything that's left if there's applicants for it. Right. Gotcha. So we did all of our drop down, our drop downs. Um, we selected our hunt numbers that we want. We made sure that we've selected the correct hunts. 
Um, now, after that, what do we in, we insert our credit card number, right? If we're doing the online portion, and I know that this has happened to a lot of people, right? Where we've heard stories where someone's had their card stolen <laughs> or their bank account's been hacked, and the draw comes and they get declined through the draw process. And it's really important, guys, to make sure that all of your banking information is up to par. Correct. Make sure you have enough, you know, for if you're a resident, you got to make sure you have that $45 in your account for when they do the draw to make sure you are eligible to, to get the tag, essentially. Because if Game & Fish gives you a good number and, you, and they pull your name, and you get a tag drawn, if you don't have the money in the bank, you're not getting the tag. Yeah, Game & Fish lets you know, too. I mean, they're, like, asking you. They'll, they'll put out a post, you know, update your card information, which is basically alert that they're going to be drawing soon. Uh, what I'll actually do at that point is I like to go and change my bank account, uh, my alert settings. So, like, say if it's, it's elk season or deer season, I'll go and change my alert settings to anything over $130 to notify my account just so I could be, you know, kind of the first guy to post or talk about it in the morning. Uh, but yeah, I mean, Game of Fish, they, they give you the warning to update your card information. And, you know, shortly after that time is when you could probably expect to see the charges hit onto your card. And if, if you don't update your information and you do get drawn, as Cole's talking about, not only do you lose out on that tag, but you're going to lose out on that loyalty point, too, because your application was rejected. And the person next in line is going to get the tag and you're going to make somebody really happy, but it's not going to be you. Cool, man. I, I, I do got a couple questions for Cole real quick because you got the numbers in front of you. Let's go over some of the costs for uh, a local in-state guy versus an out-of-state resident. Let's, uh, let's just pick deer. What's going to be their total cost top to bottom from you know, their, their application fee, their license to come in here and do the hunt? Obviously, we're just talking numbers to get the actual tag. Definitely. So for the deer tag for a resident, again, this is for a resident, the tag itself is going to be $45 plus a $13 application fee and a hunting license, which is $37. Again, you could do the hunt fish combo, okay. but like I said, you could do the hunt fish combo, but if you're just doing the hunting, it's 37, which that brings your total to 95 bucks, hundred bucks to go hunt the deer. What about an out of state resident for, uh, for the same exact setup? Yeah. So same scenario. Um, which is a little different when it comes to the because the out-of-state resident has to purchase the combo, which is 160 bucks. Exactly. So the combo, a, a non-resident has to purchase a combo uh, hunt fish license, which is 160 dollars, plus a 300 dollar tag for deer, and then a 15 dollar application fee. So it's two dollars more for the application fee, um, and a non-resident can be in in you know hunting Arizona for 475 dollars what I would suggest to if you're if you're an out-of-state resident and you're wanting to come in and put in for a draw uh, we talked a little bit about it at the front but we have really good over-the-counter deer season so you could hunt uh, any antler deer in December January or August that's a really good opportunity to get out here and kind of you know get familiarized with the units uh, another thing I think people are doing are putting in for some of the javelina hunts or some of the spring turkey hunts, which allows them the opportunity to get out and see the unit uh, because the cost of that is all relatively low. And you can find all these prices in the game and fish main regs. Uh, it is updated year to year. So, you know, the, the cost might vary. Like I think we noticed earlier that the, uh, the bonus point cost for the non-resident is $15, or rather the application fee is $15 compared to the resident is only 13 bucks. Exactly, yeah. So for the <laughs> non-residents, though, 
And like Aaron was saying, though, we do Arizona offers all of those over the counter um, opportunities, which waives your application fee. So you won't have to pay the fifteen dollars if you're a non-resident to come and hunt. So I mean, it's not a you know, it's it's a little bit of a savings. It's not a, a huge number, but um, you're still gonna have to pay if you want to come and hunt over the counter deer. Um, you're gonna pay the the three hundred dollar tag fee plus the hundred and sixty dollar license. Uh, so real quick, I want to go around and just ask you guys a couple questions. So let's say uh, you're resident or non-resident. You don't have any expectation. All you want to do is be able to legally hunt a deer and bring some venison home. So their expectation, they just say, I want, a, I want an opportunity to get out and hunt deer. I've never hunted deer before. Maybe this is this person's first deer. Antlers don't matter. They just want to do it legally and bring some venison home. What kind of suggestions do you got for them? Well, because of the caveat about bringing some meat home, then I'm going to suggest those really undersubscribed southeastern Arizona hunts or some general southwestern Arizona mule deer hunts where you might not kill something giant. Not that there aren't big animals in those units because right. there's big animals in every unit in Arizona. Exactly. But your propensity to kill something with a rifle is much higher than with a bow. Correct. If you're an archery hunter, though, and, and you're competent with your weapon and you can shoot far and you're used to open country, uh, by all means, come out and do the over-the-counter seasons that run in August, September, December, and January and have you know three months' worth of, of hunt time to come out here and hunt mostly statewide, right? You know, aside from tribal lands and the, uh, the draw units. Um, so tons of opportunity, whether you want to do it with a rifle or with a bow, you can, you can draw those guaranteed easy to draw low bonus point tags with a rifle or come out and do it over the counter. If you just want to go hunting. Cool. Yeah. You got, Cole? Well, I was just going to say too, if you're a non-resident, um, and you come out to Arizona and you want to hunt and you want to be able to, you know, maybe utilize the entire hunt. You can purchase several of those tags. A lot of those dates and, you know, the hunting season dates for like your your August and September deer hunts, the over-the-counter turkey tag falls on the same the same dates as that Correct. hunt. So you could essentially come out and buy multiple tags and have that opportunity to hunt, you know, different animals. So, you know, you could say you want to just come out and archery hunt for deer right. well, buy a turkey tag because you never know. You might see a turkey. Obviously, if you're buy hunting. Buy a bear tag, too. Buy, yeah. yeah, buy in a August, bear tag. That opportunity, in August, that opportunity happens to sit and stand. And you could be, uh, you know, hunting for a velvet buck and get a nice black bear come in. Exactly. And, you know, the cost of that, again, is all found online. But that's a good tip, man. And I feel like a lot of people don't realize that, that the dates, you know, fall on the same, you know, hunting season. You right. know, because a, a lot of the hunts through the draw – per se, are different, right? Correct. But for the over-the-counter stuff, a lot of those are like bang, bang. You know, you buy every tag, and you can hunt pretty much every animal that walks in the forest. Now, if, you, if you're if you hunting the central Arizona stuff, you know, down in the low desert, you not you might not find a turkey running around. Right. But you might find a bear. So if you buy multiple tags for different animals... It happens every year, guys out deer hunting, and just happens to have a bear come in, and you don't want to be the guy that doesn't have the, you know, the tag in your pocket for the cost or... Uh, you know, we I just had Josh Kirchner, the dialed-in hunter, in here. He was out scouting and saw a lion and didn't have the tag and didn't have the rifle with him. So you got to just – you got to think that stuff out and be prepared, you know, when the time comes. Dylan kind of stole my point. I mean, that's what I would suggest for – if you're a resident or non-resident and you're looking to come in here and just deer hunt, 
Uh, I'll add to it a little bit. Deer hunt plus have some, a little bit of opportunity at the trophy. You know, look down south. It's not as scary as some people describe it to be um, in some of the areas that border the unit. Yes, there's a great chance that you see the activity. Uh, when I hunted in southern Arizona this year, you know, one thing that I noticed was just an increased activity in the border control along with the game of fish, and they were all out there. So, you know, for me, did give me a little bit of peace of mind and just knowing how many people are out there. But, you know, something to consider is that those Southern Arizona deer tags specifically have, you know, in some cases, a hundred percent draws. So if you're just looking to get out there and fill a tag and potentially shoot a nice coos or potentially shoot a nice mule deer, those Southern Arizona hunts, uh, that's, that's pretty hard to beat right there, man. You got anything else you want to cover? You got any more questions? Well, like I said, I mean, Southern Arizona, there's a lot of opportunity out there. And I think what a lot of guys doing too are, are taking the trip with all the buddies because of the opportunity to get, you know, the tag so easily, it's easily, it's easy to get a whole group of hunters down there. Uh, does it make a difference, Dylan, if you got a group applicant or if these, if everybody's trying to put in together some, sometimes it's the group of buddies doing it. Sometimes the family, uh, is doing it. What are kind of some of the nuances regarding the group applications that people need to understand? Yeah, so keep in mind if you're putting in, you can put in up to four applicants or four hunters on, on one application. And when you do that, you get an average of your bonus points. So if, you know, one guy has 10 and the other three guys on the applicant have zero, you're going to add all those up, divide them by four, get your average for it. And that's where you're going to, you know, place with your bonus points. Okay. The other thing to keep, keep in mind, though, is if, if as if the group application draws a low number, you have to be applying for hunts that are going to have four tags available. If you know, assuming we're filling all these spots up. So if you draw, if the application draws a low number and there's only two tags left for the hunt, that application gets bumped and they're going to go look look at the next one because you sense. won't just draw two tags. You're going to draw all four if you're applying for applicants or none. Yeah, I mean that makes sense to me. The the important note is that that it averages your bonus points though, and that you have to pick those those choices that are gonna have enough tags available to draw everybody on the application. Yeah, that makes sense. And then, uh, you know, one thing that's also set in place that we didn't touch is the point guard. You do have the option in your application to purchase point guard, which does kind of protect you. Um, you know, say say you have an unforeseen circumstance in your life and you're not able to get out for that hunt and you want to basically give that tag up, what it basically does for you is it, it will reset your bonus points and it'll reset everything back to where you are already at with the exception of what you are adding. So if you give up that hunt, you still do get the bonus point for I, that, correct? I, I, I don't believe that is true, actually. As far as um, keeping the bonus point, uh, you would still be at where it, you're at when you it, applied. It, it, Yes, but then you would get the additional point, too. Okay, yeah, that's what I was thinking as well. As, as if you had not been drawn. Yes, exactly. As, as if the, way, you, the way I read it. Correct, as if you have not been drawn. So I think for an out-of-stater, uh, for a non-resident, that's something that you really need to consider is getting that, that point guard. Just in case something comes up or, you know, for heaven's sake, you, you finally got drawn for antelope and you aren't able to make it out here. Just really depends on what you're applying for. But the point guard is something to consider, you know, as you're kind of closing out. And, you know, they'll they'll give you that option with the online application. It's something that you're kind of, you know, pushed into through the process. So 
So yeah. the only way that you have that option during that online application process, you have to apply online. It's not available for paper apps. And you have to have a, a portal account set up. If you don't have a portal account set up, then you it won't give you the option to purchase point guard. And I think it's Correct. like five bucks or something like that yeah, per you know, per species to purchase it. And then it's like I'm saying, it's a tag surrender program where if you know something comes up, you can surrender your tag and you're gonna get all those bonus points back. But if you don't purchase right. it prior to the draw and you aren't able to use that tag or you donate it, then you're not gonna get your bonus points. You will have to use them. And to my understanding, you only can do that once, correct? You can only surrender your tag once through point guard? You can only surrender it once and get your points back. Then you have to expend your points. You have to get drawn. And then after you start back over at zero, you, once you lose all those accrued bonus points, then you can you can use point guard again for that species after that point. Yeah, so in, say you're in that circumstance and you have to give up your tag, that tag is going to be given back to somebody in the application process. So, um, you know, it's a, it's a win for somebody. It's kind of a loss for somebody else. But having that, that portal account is a good setup. You know, the other scenario that, that kind of comes to mind with all this is let's say, you know, Cole, I'm going to use you for example. Yeah. Let's say you applied for a big game draw and you happen to draw a tag. So in this circumstance, we'll say that since it's the deer draw, you know, right now we're going to put in for deer and through that process, we get the deer tag and our deer tag is valid in November. Okay. But let's say, you know, August, you get bored, you want to go have some fun and you just happen to go out and that nice velvet spikes right there or something happens, you, you know, you get the juices flowing and you, you happen to shoot a deer um, because you can hunt with the over the counter tag and still have a valid rifle tag in the future. But in Arizona, you're only allowed, you know, one deer per calendar year. So you get into that circumstance. Let's say you were fortunate enough to, to shoot an animal. It happened with you uh, with bear this year. Mm -hmm. So you drew a bear tag. But in the spring hunt, in the over-the-counter hunt, you happen to fill that tag. So what, what can somebody do if they get into a scenario where they have filled their over-the-counter, but they still have a valid tag for a specific hunt number? Yeah, so this is something that the Game and Fish does, which I think personally is awesome. Um, and a lot of people don't realize that you can do this. Um, so like you were saying earlier, I drew a spring bear tag, an archery bear tag, and I was lucky enough to harvest uh, a bear on the over-the-counter bear tag. So I you know, got on social media and I was asking around and I knew in the back of my mind that I could donate that draw tag. And it, you have to be careful because there's certain groups out there um, that will accept these donated, these donated tags, right? Uh, so I asked around, and you know, I got s really good feedback from a in couple Arizona. Of guys. What were some of the organizations that reached oh, out? Oh gosh, um, you had uh, Hunts for uh, Heroes. Hunts for Heroes, I know, reached out to me, and then Sunny out of uh, Springer, who, who's the one that I actually donated the tag to. But what these guys do is they take out um, disabled veterans or you know troubled youth, um, people that you know really need the outdoors um, to fill this void in their life and, you know, just to give them a really, really good experience and an opportunity that they might not ever have. Um, so do really, you remember Son by chance, do you remember Sonny, uh, it was Sonny Tapia. I can't remember, yeah. but I remember it was, uh, changed by nature outdoors was one. Uh, the hunts for heroes was another one. There's a lot of there's different guys but like experience saying, for all. Yeah. Th like I said, there's, there's a ton out there, but you got to do your research too, because you know, a lot of the guys, you know, some they of them... They could be trying to work the they, system. They could be working the system where, you know, they might have, you know, their, their good close buddies that they, they get these donated tags and they take them out every year. 
Um, so you really just got to make sure that when you do do that donation, that it's going to go to a, a group that's really going to do the right thing and take guys out or, or youth that really need that opportunity. Because like I said, some of these guys get out there and it changes their life, um, which I think is awesome. I mean, yeah, I, I mean, it's a donated exactly. opportunity for them. And, you know, we talked about this a little bit in the first episode, finding their purpose or getting the opportunity yep. to go out there and experience that stuff. It's like. And it's almost a feel good for yourself. You yeah. Know, letting so, them get you know, I, I mean, the, the feeling that I was able to harvest the, my first bear, but then be able to donate that tag back to someone. It's like it's like kind of like you said, a feel good moment yeah. over again. And just, you know, hopefully they are successful, too, with that tag in it and it doesn't go to waste. But um, don't just think because you filled your tag, you know, your over the counter tag that your draw tag is is worthless because. Um, you know, it's find worth, someone. It's worth something to somebody. Yeah, it's worth some something to somebody, yeah. um, which is is really good. And I, like I said, that's just a, a great point that you brought up um, for us because the more opportunities people can get to get out, outdoors, the better. Sweet. Uh, well, you know, we've talked about a there, ton of there. Stuff. Go ahead. There are actually going back to your scenario. There's actually fully answer the question. There's two other things Cole theoretically could have done with the tag. Going back to point guard, he could have then. Surrendered his tag and got his bonus points back, okay. which really wasn't necessary in the circumstances. He didn't have any to start with. And then if you had a child or a grandchild, you could have also gifted that tag to them for them to use too. Right. So there's kind of three options you could do with it with a tag. Sweet. Um, man, fellas, we covered a lot. Dylan, I, I super appreciate the information. You're a guru on this. I know you you have an article up on chasingtheking.com that does explain this a little bit, Cole. I also appreciate your time. I think you guys are going to set some cameras this weekend. If I'm lucky, I'll join you guys. Um, I don't know if my availability is going to be there, but I'll certainly try to make it. You guys got anything else going on this weekend or just kind of prepping up for those fall bear hunts? Just just prepping up for the fall bear hunts. You know, nothing nothing too crazy. It's that summer grind. It's hot out here, so <laughs> we're going to yeah. try to stay cool, do early morning hikes, and get those cams set while it's still cool out. Cool. Dylan, you got any closing comments for us? Nope. I mean, that, that's the weekend plan. We got some cameras to get out in some hot, terrible, nasty places that people don't <laughs> want to go, and that's why the bears live there. You are not bear and hunting unless you're suffering, and these I think we're going to be sharing some more of those stories as we get further <laughs> along. It's guaranteed the suffrage is going to happen. Awesome stuff, guys. I appreciate all the information. Uh, certainly appreciate everybody that's tuned in. If you could do us one thing, if you liked any of the information, go ahead and throw a comment or a like um, down there on the link. And if you guys have any more specific questions that you would like us to get into, or if you have some questions in the future about, you know, say that the elk or the antelope draw, we'd be more than happy to answer them. And you can find us on social media. Uh, you could also, you know, email us at the chase outdoors podcast at gmail.com. You guys all have a great night and thanks for listening.